Greetings, this is podcast number 64 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, I'm going to address some critical issues related to the upcoming midterm elections, including the history of and likelihood of continued right-wing electronic voting fraud. Let's get right into it. My sources are The New York Times, The Washington Spectator, CommonDreams.org, HillNews.com, SouthernStudies.org, Bloomberg.com, WillThomas.net, ElectionArchive.org, and ABCNews.com. Bernie Sanders represents Vermont in the House of Representatives. He's an independent, neither Republican nor Democrat. Bernie is one of, if not the most, progressive members of Congress. Here's what he said last Friday on the Tom Hartman radio show. We have the most important non-presidential election in American history coming up in three and a half weeks. The fate of the country hangs in the balance. I agree with Bernie wholeheartedly. There is nothing going on in this country more important politically than to take back from the Republicans at least one, and preferably both, houses of Congress in the midterm elections just a few weeks away. Why? Let me explain it this way. I have some friends in what is called the Solidarity Community. That means they work to support democratic movements and governments in the third world that are committed to ending U.S. economic and political domination of their nations. Those opposing U.S. intervention against the Sandinistas in Nicaragua in the 1980s and Hugo Chavez in Venezuela now would be part of the Solidarity Movement. It's a movement I consider myself a part of. One of my friends in this movement will call Bill. That's not his real name. Bill got me really annoyed in 2004 by sending out letters implying, if not outright stating, that it didn't matter whether Kerry or Bush won. I think he felt pretty much the same about Bush versus Gore in 2000. I actually haven't spoken to Bill since 2004. It got me so mad when he wrote that. Sometimes I get email from listeners who also express the view that Democrats are just as bad as Republicans, so what difference does it make which party is in power? Bill's logic is what I call Bill is a tree logic. It goes like this. Bill is not a refrigerator. A tree is not a refrigerator. Therefore, Bill is a tree. It's obviously a logical fallacy to assume that if two things are not a third thing, the two things are identical. But that's what Bill does with Democrats and Republicans. He correctly points out that neither Republicans nor most Democrats are anywhere near being pro-solidarity. So his reasoning seems to be Republicans are not pro-solidarity, Democrats are not pro-solidarity, so Republicans are Democrats. They're the same. But they're not. Let me tell you why, first internationally and then domestically. Internationally, if I were still speaking to Bill, and I really should call him, I guess, I'd ask, do you really mean to tell me that Al Gore would have invaded Iraq? Obviously, he wouldn't have. Look, I myself argue all the time that neither Republicans nor Democrats are on the side of the third world poor. But the difference is 
the Democrats keep the U.S. boot heel a little less firmly placed against the throat of the third world poor. That lesser pressure allows some air to get in, and the third world poor can fight back much better under Democratic administrations than under right-wing Republicans. The Sandinistas came to power under Carter and were effectively overthrown by the efforts of the two presidents who followed, Reagan and Bush 41. Understand? In fact, the Sandinistas never would have even come to power under Reagan because Reagan would have sent troops to prop up Somoza. Let's consider the domestic side. Could anyone out there really argue to me, with a straight face, that Kerry would have trashed the Constitution like Bush has, with the warrantless wiretapping, abolition of habeas corpus, etc., etc., etc.? Would Kerry have legalized torture, for God's sake? Indeed, I told Bill back in 2004, after I read what he said about Kerry, Bush, no difference, Bill, after they grab you and, without telling anyone, spirit you away to Gitmo and charge you with treason and start torturing you there, I hope you'll remember that I warned you that this could happen if Bush is re-elected. As far as I know, Bill is, thankfully, still safe in Washington, D.C., advocating mightily and impressively on behalf of the third world poor. But if Bush hadn't been crippled by Iraq and other scandals, I have no doubt it would have been the Bushians' intention to shut Bill up any way they could. The boot heel of the right wing has always been, and I assert will continue to be, pressed far more heavily on the throats of the solidarity community in the U.S. than the boot heel of a Democratic administration. Remember, Carter's attorney general was Ramsey Clark. No one in Ramsey Clark's office would write pro-torture memos. The Democrats may not do anything terrifically positive after they take back one or both houses, but they also probably won't do anything horrifically negative, as a Congress that remains fully in Republican hands certainly will. My friend Bill could indeed then disappear. So all I'm saying is, for our sake here at home, and for the sake of the third world poor and whoever else the Bushians will bomb and mass murder if given another unfettered two years, it's critical we put a roadblock in their way by taking back at least one House of Congress. If you're not registered to vote, please check if you can still do so where you live, and do so right away. Now you may be thinking, well, Jack's correct there, and happily, the polls all look pretty damn good at this point. Yes, they do. But don't let that deceive you. The polls mean nothing if the votes aren't counted accurately. And there is a great chance the votes won't be counted accurately. There is a great chance there will be massive electronic voting fraud that keeps the Republicans in power in both houses. That's what I want to get into now. You may go vote against Bush and the GOP, but your vote may then be electronically disappeared, or worse yet, flipped into a pro-Bush vote. How do you like your vote to help keep the Republicans in power? Of course you don't want that to happen. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. It all has to do with electronic touchscreen voting machines. The vast majority of electronic voting machines used in the United States are manufactured by four companies. Three of them, Diebold, ES&S, and Hard Inter Sivichov, 
have strong GOP ties. The machines of the fourth company, Sequoia, have also seemed to malfunction only in ways favorable to Republicans. Companies in bed with the right wing make the machines which record and count our votes. And these companies refuse to allow public inspection of the software inside, claiming trade secrets. The machines produce no paper trail. You just have to trust that they have accurately recorded your vote and that all the votes will be fairly and honestly tabulated. Did you know that? How close are the ties of Diebold and ESNS to the GOP? Wally O'Dell was Diebold's CEO. He was also a Bush Cheney pioneer, which many promised to raise at least $100,000 for Bush's re-election campaign. Since 1998, Diebold has donated $240,000 to political campaigns. All of it has gone to GOP candidates or the party. And Odell notoriously wrote in a fundraising letter that he was, quote, committed to helping Ohio deliver its electoral votes to the president next year, close quote. Now about the other company, ESNS, Election Systems and Software. That was originally funded by the Amundsen family. They're connected to the Christian Reconstructionist movement. Christian Reconstructionists openly advocate that American democracy should be replaced by a Christian theocracy. Present-day Republican Senator from Nebraska Chuck Hagel once ran and invested in ESNS. This will provide a nice segue for me to go over for you some of the electronic voting frauds that have already been perpetrated by the right wing with these infernal machines. If you're not familiar with this information, it will make your hair stand on end. If you are familiar with it, hearing it all again in one fell swoop may well make your hair stand on end anew, as it did with me as I reviewed this material. Chuck Hagel When Hagel ran ESNS, the company sold the state of Nebraska electronic voting machines. Then Hagel left the company and in 1996 ran for Senate from Nebraska. Between 80 and 85 percent of the votes in this Nebraska Senate race were counted on machines that Hagel sold to that state. And lo and behold, he surprised the world by becoming the first elected Republican senator from Nebraska in 24 years. One Nebraska newspaper called Hagel's win a stunning upset. The Washington Post said that Hagel's Senate victory was, quote, the major Republican upset in the November election, close quote. According to Bev Harris of the Black Box Voting website, Hagel even won many largely African-American communities that had never, never before voted Republican. And this almost unbelievable voting result is achieved using machines that Hagel's own companies sold to Nebraska, machines loaded with software that's kept hidden from the public. Admittedly, one surprising result does not a charge prove. So let's go on to some races in the 2002 midterm elections. In Georgia in 2002, all the votes were counted on Diebold machines. Robert F. Kennedy, writing in Rolling Stone, quotes a Diebold whistleblower, Chris Hood, who says that the head of the company's e-voting machine division ordered that a software patch be secretly placed on those Georgia machines. Quote, 
We were told not to talk to county personnel about it. We were told that it was intended to fix the clock and the system, which it didn't do. The curious thing is the very swift, covert way this was done. Close quote. And then guess what happened? Just days before the election, Senator Max Cleland, the triple amputee Vietnam vet, recently mocked by Ann Coulter, Max Cleland was ahead of Saxby Chambliss by five points. But Cleland lost by seven points. At least that's what the secret Diebold software said. In the Georgia governor's race, Democrat Roy Barnes was ahead in the polls by nine points over Sonny Perdue. But somehow, Republican Purdue won by seven points when the votes were counted on the Diebold machines. Beyond Georgia in 2002, quote, There were other such anomalies, induced perhaps by what some wags called Diebold magic, as the company's product figured heavily in those other states where far-right candidates won upset victories. Colorado, where Republican Wayne Allard down by nine points against Democrat Ted Strickland, won by five points. And New Hampshire, where Republican John Sununu, down by one point against Democrat Gene Shaheen, won by four points. Thus did the Bush Republicans take back the Senate. Close quote. Is the picture becoming clearer and, unfortunately, more scary? Is the pattern emerging for you? Let's continue on. In October of 2002, Congress passed the Help America Vote Act. One of the things the act did was to provide funds for states to switch to electronic voting machines. So the stage is now set for the 2004 presidential election. We all saw the exit polls that election day, which said Kerry won the popular vote by a 2.6% margin. We also were all then later told that in the actual vote count, Bush won by 2.8%. Put simply, such a greater than five-point discrepancy from 2.6% in one direction in the exit poll to 2.8% in the opposite direction in the counted results is impossible. Why? Let's get the answer from Dick Morris. He's the Republican and sometimes, at least with Clinton, Democratic political strategy guru. In the interest of fair disclosure, I worked with Morris decades ago in New York City, back when he at least appeared to be a progressive Democrat. I guess appearances can be deceiving. Oh, the stories I could tell you. But back on point. According to Morris, quote, Exit polls are almost never wrong. They eliminate the two major potential fallacies in survey research by correctly separating actual voters from those who pretend they will cast ballots but never do, and by substituting actual observation for guesswork in judging the relative turnout of different parts of the state. So reliable are the surveys that actually tap voters as they leave the polling places that they are used as guides to the relative honesty of elections in third world countries. Close quote. Do you remember what happened in the Ukraine? The exit polls showed the opposition party winning, but then the actual vote count that the government announced showed the government candidate winning. There was literally a revolution in the streets, and the government was forced to back down and hold another election, which the government then did admit the opposition won. 
getting back to the discrepancy between the exit polls and announced results in the U.S. 2004 presidential elections, Morris concludes, quote, This was no mere mistake. Exit polls cannot be as wrong across the board as they were on election night. I suspect foul play. Close quote. Now, Morris doesn't blame electronic voting fraud by the GOP. Morris suggests that the exit polls must have been fixed by the Democrats. I've seen no evidence of that. Other theories have been proffered that the exit polls early in the day oversampled women who vote more heavily Democratic. Another theory is that Kerry voters were more likely to respond to an exit poller. None of these really wash with me. When you have the evidence of Hagel in Nebraska, plus Max Cleland and Roy Barnes in Georgia, both stunningly suffering upset losses where all the votes were counted on Diebold machines, the 2004 national result is of a piece. Something stinks to high heaven. Let's take a quick break. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again. You got to catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. The final election year I'll tell you about is 2005. This involves propositions on the Ohio ballot. The Columbus Dispatch newspaper is considered that state's gold standard in polling. Its pre-election poll did accurately predict the results of one of the propositions. But on two other measures, which the Republicans had a strong interest in defeating, the Dispatch's polling suddenly proved wildly inaccurate. And before I give you those numbers, I guess I should mention that for this 2005 election, Paperless electronic touchscreen voting had expanded into 41 additional Ohio counties. Issue 2 on the ballot would have made it easier for Ohioans to vote early. Republicans opposed it. They don't like to make it easy for people to vote. The measure was ahead by 26% in the poll just before Election Day, 59 to 33. But in the actual vote, it supposedly lost by 27%, 63-and-a-half to 36, a virtual complete flip, a 53% shift overnight. Issue 3 on the ballot dealt with campaign finance reform. The Ohio GOP didn't like it at all. This measure was ahead by a whopping 36% in the polls, 61-25. to 25. But the Ohio government's official results... And remember, Ken Blackwell, Bush's campaign manager in the state, was also Ohio's Secretary of State and overseeing the electoral process. Ken Blackwell's official results said the measure somehow lost 67 to 33 percent, from 36 percent ahead to 34 percent behind. Impossible! Except, perhaps, if there's some funny business with the computers. Let me give you one final bit of information that should cement your acceptance of the fact that such funny business is indeed right-wing policy. Congressman Rush Holt introduced a bill, H.R. 550, that would require electronic voting machines to produce a voter-verified paper audit trail. The voter can confirm that the vote has been properly cast and, if necessary, there's a paper trail to recount the vote. 
With the paperless electronic voting machines, there's no way to confirm the machine has accurately recorded our votes and nothing to recount if there's a problem. The Republicans have fought tooth and nail to prevent Holt's bill from being seriously considered by Congress. Representative Robert Ney of Ohio, yes, he just pled guilty to corruption charges. Ney has refused to even hold hearings on Holt's H.R. 550 bill. Why would the Republicans be so against a bill requiring a paper trail if they had nothing to hide? Can any of you right-wingers out there answer me that one? Beyond that, can anyone give me an example where Republican-manufactured and secretly programmed voting machines ever gave an election to a Democrat that wasn't supposed to win? I don't think you can. So, to my way of thinking, the right wing starts with successfully practicing electronic voting fraud in 1996 in Nebraska. You have a more widespread rollout of the fraud in 2002 in Georgia and Colorado and New Hampshire. And then in 2004, it's the whole enchilada. The entire national election is flipped by these damn electronic voting machines. The inexplicable discrepancy between the exit polls and the actual voting results is the evidence for the 2004 presidential election having been flipped by these voting machines. Ohio in 2005 allowed the right wing to further refine its electronic voting fraud practices and indeed to ascertain just how outrageous a manipulation they would be able to get away with. All this sets the stage for the 2006 midterm elections just a few weeks away. Remember that Help America Vote Act I mentioned? Quote, from 2003 to 2005, some $3 billion flew out of the federal purse for equipment purchases. Nothing said state-of-the-art like a paperless voting machine that electronically records and tallies votes with the tap of a touchscreen. Election Data Services, a political consulting firm that specializes in redistricting, estimates that about 40% of registered voters will use an electronic voting machine in the coming elections. Close quote. 40% of voters nationwide will be using electronic voting machines in these midterm elections. 40% of us are at risk of having our anti-right-wing votes tossed out or, horror of horrors, flipped into pro-right-wing votes. In addition to everything I've just told you, I recently learned some revealing facts about one of Diebold's machines, the AccuVote which has the largest market share in the nation for these devices. According to voting reform advocates who have studied the machines, it was ridiculously easy to pick the AccuVote security lock. And, this would be funny were it not perhaps the end of democracy in America, a researcher, quote, noticed that the key to the machine's memory card appeared to be similar to one that a staff member had at home. When he brought the key into the office and tried it, the door protecting the AccuVote's memory card slot swung open obligingly. Upon examination, the key turned out to be a standard industrial part used in simple locks for office furniture, computer cases, jukeboxes, and hotel minibars. Ah, leaving the security door easily breachable. Why would the Republican favoring company want to do that?
Maybe for the same reason it leaves the software so unprotected. Researchers quote, described how the AccuVote software design rendered the machine vulnerable to manipulation by smart cards. They found that the standard protections to prevent alteration of the internal code were missing. They characterized the system as quote, far below even the most minimal security standards, close quote. Now listen carefully to this, quote, the researchers demonstrated the machine's vulnerability to an attack by means of code that can be introduced with a memory card. The program they devised does not tamper with the voting process. The machine records each vote as it should and makes a backup copy too. Every 15 seconds or so, however, the rogue program checks the internal vote tallies, then adds and subtracts votes as needed to reach program targets. It also makes identical changes in the backup file. The alterations cannot be detected later because the total number of votes perfectly matches the total number of voters. At the end of the election day, the rogue program erases itself, leaving no trace. Close quote. No trace, the perfect crime, and again, the end of democracy. Diebold's response to such disclosures has been to threaten legal action, sending letters warning researchers to, quote, exercise caution in interviews with the press, lest they make a statement that would, quote, appear designed to improperly impair and impede Diebold's existing and future business, close quote. Business which obviously involves perpetuating by any means GOP rule. As I mentioned earlier, there is a way to make these touchscreen electronic voting machines acceptable. The machines would be equipped with printers and would print out a ballot with the voter's choices, which the voter could examine. The voter would have to verify that the printed ballot accurately reflected their vote. The ballots would then be kept inside the machine. Random audits comparing the vote tally of 1% of the machines with their paper ballots would check for the integrity of the entire process. An even more stringent route would be to have the vote count itself be in the form of the paper ballots being counted by optical scanners made by a different manufacturer. Then the results of the optical scans would be randomly checked by comparing them to the touchscreen electronic results. Either way is fine with me. Before I close, let me mention that electronic voting fraud is, of course, not the only way the Republican Party commits election fraud or otherwise soils the electoral process. Just two podcasts back, I spoke about the right-wing attempts to suppress the votes of the elderly, the poor, the disabled, and minorities through unnecessary voter ID laws. Also, I'm well aware of Democratic election fraud in the past. For example, in the 1960 presidential election, Mayor Richard Daley in Chicago stole the election for John F. Kennedy, according to many accounts. But just because the Democrats did it in the past is certainly no reason to let the Republicans get away with it now. I want to ask you to consider a hypothetical. What if the shoe had been on the other foot in, say, 2004? What if Michael Moore... Barbara Streisand, George Soros, and Jesse Jackson were the owners of the companies that produced the electronic voting machines and software for the election. You don't think the right wing would have screamed bloody murder 
about how could there possibly be a fair election with such a partisan group being the ones who make the machines and software. And what if, in addition, the software had never been properly vetted? And what if the election results didn't match the exit polls? And what if all the electronic errors seemed to go in favor of Kerry? You don't think the entire Republican establishment would have been demanding a congressional investigation and postponement of any presidential inauguration until the truth about democratic fraud was discovered? Well, back in 2004, unfortunately, the mainstream democratic establishment barely raised a peep. Now, in 2006, they do seem to be more aware of the issue thanks in large part to Howard Dean's advocacy on this electronic voting fraud issue. Some election officials also are waking up and refusing to use these nefarious machines. The public does seem to be waking up as well. Quote, A Zogby poll in August found that only 45% of the American people felt very confident that Bush was re-elected fair and square, while the rest either doubted it or were not at all confident about it. Close quote. But is all this too little, too late? I don't know. Personally, I'm going to vote with an absentee ballot. There could well be shenanigans with absentee ballots, and there have been many irregularities in the past with them. There's a difference of opinion about whether using absentee ballots is a good strategy for avoiding having one's vote lost or even flipped by electronic machines. The way I figure it, at least if they toss the absentee ballots in the dumpster, they can be physically found. Your vote electronically erased in a touchscreen machine without a paper trail can't. And the absentee ballots also can't be easily flipped to go in the opposite direction while the electronic votes can be. Those of you interested in taking some action on this issue between now and Election Day might want to check out blackboxvoting.org or votetrustusa.org for how citizens can become involved right now in ensuring an honest vote. Bottom line. Despite all the talk of the Democrats being a lock to take back the House and also having a good shot at the Senate, I'm really scared of it all being stolen again. In September, why was Bush so eerily confident? Quote, Dismissing the possibility the top House Democrat, Representative Nancy Pelosi of California, could rise to House Speaker if the GOP lost its majority, the President said, quote, That's not going to happen. Close quote. Why was Bush still so unnaturally certain just last week when he said that after Election Day, quote, We'll have a Republican Speaker and a Republican Leader of the Senate? Closed quote. And here's what Bush said just yesterday while being interviewed by Bill O'Reilly. I don't anticipate losing. We're going to hold both. I'm not the only one with these fears. Here's what Lauren, a longtime listener and great friend of Blast the Right, wrote in just the other day. Quote, I'm scared, expletiveless, that the fix is in on this next election no matter what we do. The other day I heard Bush saying, you'll be surprised at the election results and that they are confident that they will hold on their majorities. Where do they get this confidence with the polls the way they are? They know something we don't. You heard it here first. Expect a lot of 51 to 49 percent 
Miracle Republican wins on election night. Close quote. I do envision post-election day battles in state after state where Democrats who were supposed to win according to the polls lost, and conflicts as well in states where the polls said the contests were close. I suspect many of these battlefields will be ones where the right-wing weapon of choice was a Diebold or ESNS electronic voting machine. I hope I'm being paranoid. I hope I'm wrong. If so, I will joyfully announce it on the first podcast after the election. I was wrong! Hallelujah! I was wrong! The Democrats have taken back the House and Senate. Democracy may be saved. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on my podcast homepage. You can get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. I want to thank all of you who came out to vote for me at podcastalley.com. We moved up from 10 to 8. I want to get a lot more votes, however, because I'm subject to late surges by those below, and those do happen towards the end of the month. So if you haven't voted yet, please go do so. It just takes a second. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. I'm glad to have you on board, and I'd appreciate it if you'd also go to vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's now a Blast the Right page on myspace.com, myspace.com slash blasttheright. I'd love to add you all as friends, so please come on over. Now a word from the Progressive Podcast Network. The Progressive Podcast Network. Now we are the media. Listen to your media. Take your country back. ProgressivePodcastNetwork.org Music credits. The break music was Catapult to Propaganda by Nye's Music. We'll close with a little bit of You Razzle Dazzledom by Bill Jacobs. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Please keep all those great comments coming in. My address is rational at adelphia.net. You can call and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. I can also be reached on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. You gave them the old razzle-dazzle. You razzle-dazzled them. You gave them an act with lots of flash in it Made them believe you were compassionate Gave them the old hocus-pocus You misdirected them With 9-11 and Saddam Hussein You played them both right to perfection Despite 
the fact there's no connection. You're razzle-dazzle-dumb. Let those blue states complain. If this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> Just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> you gave them the old stay the course. I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> 